But notice in verse 6, it says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Does that sound like a good thing? From the colors of fall to the fragrance of spring Every creature is unique in the song that it sings All exclaiming, indescribable Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. Jesus warned his disciples that failing to abide means that life fails. A branch only has life as it is connected to the vine. A disciple only spiritually lives as they are connected to the master. We think of how these words would impact the 11 disciples who first heard them. Jesus told them he would depart, yet they would not be disconnected from him. The work of the Holy Spirit sent by the Father would be to keep them connected to Jesus. If they were disconnected from him, they would be ruined. There are no true disciples who do not abide. The branch must remain connected to the vine or it has no life and is no lasting good. Now here's Pastor Rob. Hey, let's open our Bibles this morning to John chapter 15. John chapter 15, and we're going to read uh, through, we got down through verse 5 last week. I'd like to hopefully finish a chapter today, I think we can. But let's just start in verse 5. Remember, Jesus is in the upper room with his disciples the, the night before he would be taken by the prison guards and he would be falsely accused, falsely arraigned. This whole false thing uh, is happening to Jesus. He's done nothing wrong. He was the most innocent person in the world, and yet because he came to the earth to save sinners like you and I, the world rejected him. And that's part of the message today because the world is not a friend to the Christian. And don't be surprised when the world rejects you because if they rejected him, they're going to reject us as well. And that's something that we have to understand as we, as we walk with the Lord is that we are an, an enemy territory in a sense because uh, this world, uh, even though Jesus, even though the Bible says that the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell therein, that is a true statement. It is His. He created it. He has created us. He's placed His Spirit in us. And even for those who don't know Him, He has done this in, in their lives as well. And He loves them as well. Even for those that don't love Him, He loves them. And yet He's done all this and yet... He is scorned by the world, and so don't find it odd that you get the same treatment. We have to understand that, because otherwise it'll, it'll take you by surprise. Because when I first got saved, I thought that it was such good news to me, and I was so excited. I wanted to tell everybody, and I was shocked to know that people didn't share my same enthusiasm. You know, I told my family, and, and they, they're like, who is this? What happened to you? Right? 
But we're in enemy territory, and the world doesn't understand, and they can't understand us until they themselves are born again too, and then they understand. And that's just the way it is. And so we'll look at that later today. But Jesus told his disciples to continue to abide in him, that place of of, of, of remaining and, and, and dwelling. And, and that can be done regardless of your position physically. I can abide in Christ, and I don't necessarily need to be here at the church. I can abide in Christ when I'm driving my car, when I'm at work, when I'm at home, wherever I'm at, out in the middle of the woods, climbing a mountain somewhere, all by myself, hanging from a carabiner, you know, 3,000 feet below, you know, and there's nothing. I can abide in Christ. I won't be abiding that way, by the way. But we can abide in Him wherever we are at. And so Jesus, notice in verse 5, He says, I am the vine, and you are the branches. And he who abides in me, and I in him, bears much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And if anyone... If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. And notice he goes on in verse 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. But this, my Father is, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. And as the Father loved me, I also have loved you. And so abide in my love. And if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. And these things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, than to lay down one's life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you, that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father, notice, in my name, he may give you. These things I command you, that you love one another." And then Jesus goes into this section that we're going to spend more time on today. And he says, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own. Yet because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said unto you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my sake, my name's sake, because they do not know him who sent me. And if I do not come, if I had not come, excuse me, and spoken to them, they would have no sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. And he who hates me hates my father also. And if I had not done among them the works which no one else did, they would have no sin. But now they have seen and also hated both me and my father. But this happened that the word might be fulfilled, which is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. But notice verse 26. But when the Helper comes, whom I shall send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me, and you will also bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. From the beginning. 
And so Jesus, as we look at this, we, you know, when we go back to, to verse 1 there, this vine, we looked at this last week, that the vine was the cultivated vine, was Israel. It was Israel. And these branches that do not bear fruit, you know, these are, um, we're going to see that they're a different group of people because they're cast, they're gathered, and they're, they're, they're burned in the fire. But we also looked at this word abide, and that word abide literally means to stay in a given place. It means to remain and to dwell, to tarry, and to wait. And that's what we are to do while we wait for Jesus' return, is just to wait upon him, to wait upon him, to abide until he comes. And so this word is, is very important to us. And I pray that all of you are abiding in Christ. Abiding in Him, taking the time to spend with Him every single day. Don't let a day go by without you opening the Bible. Set aside a time in the day. You know, For you, maybe it's in the morning. For some, it's later in the evening. For some, it may even be at lunchtime. But take at least a half hour or more a day and just get quiet because our world is so busy. It's so busy. And I know that all of your lives are just as busy as mine. But you have to, it's not going to happen by default. You have to purpose, you have to purpose with all of your heart to guard that time. Guard it. It is your life, okay? It's your walk with Christ. Guard it with all you have and don't let anything encroach upon it. Do your best to put out all distractions. Turn off your cell phones. Get some place where you can be quiet, where the kids aren't, where the kids aren't around. I know Susanna Wesley, uh, John Wesley's mother, when he was just a little guy, and, and she had a bunch of kids in the house, and back in those days, the women wore these huge dresses. She would actually take her dress, the outer part of her dress, and stick it over her head. And she abided with Christ. That was her private moment. That was her private time. Her quiet time was hiding under her big hoopla, or whatever you want to call it, while her kids are still running around. And she said, This is mommy's time. And they would go and they'd play amongst each other, but she would find that quiet place. I want to encourage you to foster a quiet place somewhere in your life, in your home, at whatever time works for you. Everybody's schedule may be different, but get that time. And spend that time and, and learn to abide. Learn to remain in Him every single day. Every single day. And you will find that your life, your, your bearings, your anchor is going to be so much different. Your life will change. Because you'll be abiding in Christ. And all of a sudden the things that used to rattle you don't rattle you any longer. And you're going to have a peace that passes all understanding. There's something about the Word of God and the Spirit of God it settles us. He settles us. And I love that. I love that sense that I, I get. And there's a moment where I, where I just, I, I can't define it. And it's not definable by time. It's just a moment when I, I just sense and I have this feeling of, of, uh, of rest and, and of peace. And even a confidence in Him. It's not about me at all. But I have that sense. And I'm just like, oh Lord, I, just, I want this to continue. And you know it when you're there, and it's a beautiful time, and, and enjoy those times. Enjoy those times. Foster them. Guard them. Schedule them if you have to. It's so important, folks, to abide every single day. Don't let a day go by. But notice what Jesus said in verse 5. He says, I'm the vine, and you are the branches, and he who abides in me, in him, and in him, um, and I in him, bears much fruit. 
See, Jesus wants to have fruit in your life. He wants that fruit to develop, and he wants you to have much fruit. More fruit and much fruit. And apart from the redemptive saving work of Christ in our hearts and our lives, we can do nothing of eternal value. Jesus said, you can do nothing without me. And you know, even the horticulturalists and the botanists, all these people know that there's no way for a branch or a leaf or any living thing to abide apart from its source, from its vine, from its root. It just doesn't happen. It needs to get its nutrients, its life from the source, from the vine. And Jesus is that center, and he's the one that we need to be plugged into. That's why we need to abide in him. Because otherwise, we are like a a branch that's cut off. And if we remain in that place, we die. We die, we we shrivel up. And there are many Christians who are heaven-bound, but their relationship with the Lord is such that they're not abiding. And those are usually the people who doubt their salvation. Because they're not feeding themselves. They're not allowing the Spirit of God to work in them. They're not abiding every single day. And when you do that, you're basically cutting off the supply. I love the way one preacher said it. He says, you know, you've, you know, get under the spout where the blessings come out. I think it was John Corson who said that. So I'll give him credit because that's a really cool idea. But get under the spout where the blessings come out. But some people say, nah, I don't think so. And they move over and they don't receive the blessing. They, they, they don't receive anything. And they purposely remove themselves. And, and my question for that, for that person is, Why did you do that? Why would you do that? When you're under the spout where the blessings come out, and that doesn't mean that it's going to be void of of difficulty, okay? You're going to have difficulty even when you're under the spout where the blessings come out. But when you remove yourself from that place, i got to ask you a question. Why did you do it? And then if if it continues long enough, I, I would start to, and again, this is a question that you have to ask, is am I really one of his? Because if I'm really one of Jesus's, I'm going to stay under that spout. I want to stay in the vine. I want to abide in him. Why would I want to do anything different? Why would I call myself a Christian if I don't want to walk like a Christian? If I don't want the Christian life in me, if I don't want the Holy Spirit in me, then why do I call myself a Christian? If I'm not willing to be all in. And I want to encourage you this morning to be all in Don't just put a a foot in and just go, oh, that feels good. Oh, I like that. Oh, it's it's a little bit more difficult than I thought, but, you know, I kind of like that. And then what do we do? Mm. (laughs) We just kind of turn the other way like a kid. And God wants you to be. He wants you to abide. So abide, abide in him. He's got everything we need. Everything that we have and can receive, it comes from him. He is our source, and he's more than just a source, believe me. He is our life. He's life eternal. He's our sustainer. He's our God. He's our provider. He's all of these things, and why would I want to restrict that? I want to promote that. I want to live that, and I want to encourage you to do the same. But notice he says there, He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. This ought to remind us of a passage in Galatians where it says the fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. If we are going to call ourselves a Christian, then let's... Let's get about it. Let's abide in him. And in that abiding, we do those things. Yes, there is something that we have to do. 
We have to get motive. We have to. We have to let it happen. Sometimes that's all it is. Just let it happen. Let the Spirit of God do it. Stop trying to control every aspect of your life. If you're one of those controlling people, you're going to be a miserable person because the Lord wants to get you to the place where you are taking your hands off the steering wheel and allowing Him to drive. Because so often we got white knuckles and we got our hands on the steering wheel. We're like, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to steer. This is my way, my path, my life. And God's, you know, and then basically what you've done is you've stepped out of the place where the blessings come out. And you are going to be not happy. You're not going to be blessed. So I have to abide in him. And he does all the work. I have to do very little. All I've got to do is abide. You ever notice a branch? It never struggles and fights and kicks and spits, does it? It just hangs there. It's attached. Very happy. Thank you very much. I'm just receiving, receiving. Thank you so much. I'm just receiving all this good stuff. Thank you. Just hanging there. Oh, look, a blossom. Oh, look, fruit. Oh, that's great. Just keep it coming. We don't have to do a whole lot. But as we allow these attributes of the Spirit that we just read to be lived out in us, there'll be much fruit not only in us, but also toward others and other people's lives. They will see it and they will desire to draw near. Because a Spirit-filled Christian is one that is attractive to, the, to others, especially those whose eyes God is opening. Who are willing to, those in the world who are willing to see and God is walking alongside of them, the paraclete. He's walking beside them. And all of a sudden they see a real believer walking in the Spirit. And they're like, you know what? That's exactly what I want. I've been looking for that peace all my life. How do you get that peace? Well, I believe in Jesus. I go to church. I read my Bible. I pray. I'm in fellowship. I'm loving Him. I'm serving Him. And they're like, how do I? I want to get plugged into that. Well, follow me as I follow Christ. Come to church with me. Go serve with me. Let's pray together. Let's fellowship and, and let's eat together. <laughs> right? That's something we do really well at Calorie Chapel as we eat. Calorie Chapel. <laughs> See, now I know you guys are awake. But that's what we do. And notice that As we love one another, all people will see that we are Jesus' disciples. And this is all part of this fruit-bearing in our life. And so allow the Spirit of God to do this work in your life. There's a, a wonderful verse in Philippians. And it says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have also obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, Paul says to them. He says, Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Now notice what it says here. You can't work. What it means is God has given, if he's given you salvation, then you need to work it out. You need to do, you know, that there's something that faith does. When you have a faith in God, it produces something. There ought to be fruit. There ought to be things in my life that come out. If, if, if God is really in me, if the Spirit of God is in me, then those things are going to come out. Those things don't justify me. Those things don't save me because I'm already saved. But as a result of that, there ought to be some fruit of that. Things happening in my life where it's good for me and it's good for others because they're going to come and take that fruit and they're going like, wow, you used to be this horrible, nasty person. And all of a sudden you're like, you're brushing the snow off on my car now. And I didn't ask you to do it. In fact, I, you didn't even know that I, I didn't even know that you did it. But somebody told me that you did it. You weren't even, you're doing it so simply. You were just serving, you're just loving people. Wow. That's amazing when that happens. 
but work it out. And notice what it says. Verse 13 is so critical because notice, how are you going to work that out? Is it because of something you do? I mean, it is. You have to allow it. You have to put one foot in front of the other. But notice what really is going on. It is God who works in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Remember that. It's God in you that is prompting you doing that. So it originates with him, and we just respond. Isn't that what worship is? God initiates, we respond. That's what worship is. He's always initiated everything. We respond to what he has done, what he's doing, and so he gets all the credit. I don't get all the credit. But notice in verse 6, it says, If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. Does that sound like a good thing? Does it? No, it doesn't sound like a good thing. There's a couple of different ways that we can look at this. There are three different ways, at least three different ways, that people have looked at this verse and, and thought about it. Some believe that these are believers who have lost their salvation. I don't believe that for a minute. I believe if you are saved, you are always saved. You were either saved or you weren't saved. Now, you may be saved and going through a tough patch and, and struggling, but that's okay. That's, sometimes that's part and parcel for being a believer. But it doesn't mean you've lost your salvation. So I don't believe that this is speaking of a believer, this verse, verse 6. I don't believe that that's speaking of a believer who has lost their salvation. Some others believe that Jesus is talking about believers who are not bearing fruit and that um, really what this is is them just losing their rewards uh, in heaven. We, we know that for believers there's what we call a judgment seat of Christ. And it's, it's not a judgment for uh, salvation, but it's a judgment or a giving or, or losing of rewards based on what we've done since we've been in Christ. And we read about that in 1 Corinthians 3. And I can understand why some people might think this could be it. Because remember, in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 11, it says, For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, or precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it. Speaking of the day of Christ when he comes for his church. Because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work. Remember that. Test their work of what sort it is. And if anyone's work, which he has built on, endures, he will receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as by fire. Now, I don't believe that this passage is speaking of that either. Because Jesus in this passage is not referring to person or persons being gathered and burned. It's not talking about their works. It's talking about them. Notice he didn't say works. He says they will be gathered. Not their works will burn, but they. Right? And so I don't believe that that is the case either. So that leaves us with a final one, and I agree with this one. There are those who believe that those who are not abiding and thus withered... Are Christians really in name only? I call them chinos. Christians in name only. And Judas was a chino. He was one who appeared to be a branch, but he was not. And thus he died in his sins and he went to hell. And ultimately he will be judged in the lake of fire forever and ever. That's all the time we have for today. But please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.